Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Rebecca Craven and I'm very pleased to be able to introduce Rachel Evans, Respiratory Consultant Physician, Associate Professor at the University of Leicester and Lead Co-Investigator of the Post-Hospitalisation COVID-19 Study. Rachel's agreed to talk to us about the latest report from the study, in which findings from patients up to one year after hospitalisation are described. First, could you describe what researchers, clinicians and patients have learned so far about the nature and course of persisting or emerging symptoms after COVID-19, the condition commonly referred to as long COVID? Long COVID is a term used by people with lived experience to describe their ongoing symptoms after infection from the SARS-CoV-2 virus. They developed this term very early in the pandemic when the concept of long COVID was really unknown, particularly to clinicians. Subsequently, the World Health Organization have further defined post-COVID condition by persisting symptoms 12 weeks after infection. But the term long COVID is so valuable as it was derived from patients that all national and international guidelines still include this phrase. These symptoms are commonly fatigue, breathlessness, brain fog, muscle pain and poor sleep. But there are many other symptoms uh, described as part of long COVID. We still don't know how long these symptoms persist, who recovers versus who doesn't, and the the mechanisms behind these symptoms are still largely unknown. And what sort of care do patients with long COVID currently receive after hospitalisation for acute disease and what's needed to improve the management of long COVID and support recovery? Healthcare after hospitalisation for acute disease is variable. In the UK, this can range from a very reactive service. This is where people are discharged from hospital without any planned follow-up and the patient would have to seek healthcare again if they felt they needed this in future. Some centres may request a follow-up chest x-ray in a few weeks' time, particularly for those that had severe pneumonitis. And then some centres are proactively following up patients with a phone call to find out who's recovered and who hasn't, and then may offer some level of support thereafter. Other centres are proactively assessing patients, providing a holistic multi-system approach and assessment, and then have access to sophisticated recovery and rehabilitation programmes. However, there are many different models of the recovery rehabilitation programmes currently being offered and we still don't know which of these are the most effective and for which patients. Overall, we don't know which types of healthcare pathways are clinically and cost effective and how to stratify the very large group of people now with persistent problems after hospitalisation And again, we really need to know more about which patients are likely to recover versus which patients are likely to have the problem so that these pathways can be adequately targeted. 
In an article in The Lancet Respiratory Medicine, you present the latest results from the post-hospitalisation COVID-19 study. Could you briefly describe the design and the aims of this study? The post-COVID hospitalisation study, or FOSS-COVID, is a UK-wide prospective observational cohort study of adults discharged from hospital after COVID-19. Participants underwent deep phenotyping at two research visits approximately at five months and one year post-hospital discharge. The vision for the study was to establish a national platform to integrate research and clinical service to understand and improve long-term outcomes for hospitalised COVID-19 survivors. There are three broad overarching aims for the study. This was to determine the short to long-term sequelae after acute COVID-19 in hospitalised survivors and any associated risks or biomarkers, to understand the impact of acute and post-discharge interventions on the COVID-19 sequelae, and then to develop a, pl- a foundation for future studies of emergent and worsening of pre-morbid disease to further improve care for current and future patients after COVID-19. You report the clinical characteristics and inflammatory profiles of patients with long COVID, focusing on recovery one year after hospitalisation with COVID-19. What was the rationale for investigating the inflammatory profiles of patients? Severe acute COVID-19 is associated with a hyperinflammatory state and anti-inflammatory therapies such as anti-IL-6 agents have been found to be life-saving during the acute admission. In addition to this, Our early report at five-month post-hospital discharge, we described severity clusters of post-COVID sequelae and the association with C-reactive protein, a crude marker of systemic inflammation with the more severe impairments. We therefore wanted to take this a step further and understand the inflammatory profile across these clusters. So what were the main findings of the study and what are the implications of these findings for the clinical care of patients? In our cohort of adults with severe COVID-19, we reported less than one in three felt fully recovered one year after discharge from hospital. The risk factors for not being fully recovered at one year included female sex, a BMI over 30, and having received invasive mechanical ventilation during the hospital admission. Very disappointingly, there was little or no recovery across a wide range of health domains. These included a spectrum of patient-reported outcome measures, measures of organ impairment, and measures of exercise capacity, amongst others. We described four clusters of recovery across symptoms of breathlessness, fatigue, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, physical performance and cognitive impairment. Recovery at one year was similar across these four clusters, with a suggestion that the most severe cluster had some improvements, but obviously they were starting at five months at a worse level. As there was so little recovery at one year, 
it was clear that this group are going to need targeted treatments. We therefore wanted to understand more about the mechanisms underlying those four clusters of recovery to see if potentially we could identify potential therapeutic targets. Using an inflammatory panel of proteins, we compared these inflammatory proteins across the four clusters after suitable adjustment. We found that there were 13 proteins that were elevated in this very severe cluster compared to the mild cluster above the level of a false discovery rate. In the cognitive cluster, we described two elevated proteins above the FDR and IL-6 was both elevated in the very severe cluster and in the cognitive cluster. It should be highlighted that the FOSS-COVID study are a more severe cohort than the wider UK population that were admitted to hospital with a higher proportion of people receiving invasive mechanical ventilation. That said, there's still a large proportion of patients that are not fully recovered one year after discharge. And this population are on the whole working age with a mean age of 57 years old. We therefore need healthcare pathways to be proactive to find which patients have recovered versus those that haven't recovered and need further support. Other clinical implications of our findings are that the the symptoms, taking breathlessness and fatigue as examples, symptoms of mental health, whether anxiety, depression or post-traumatic stress disorder and physical performance all seem to track together. And this does mean that interventions to aid recovery need to be holistic and to target both mental and physical health together. So your findings highlight the urgent need for healthcare services to support this patient population and they also identify systemic inflammation and obesity as potential treatable traits. What are the next steps in developing treatment options for patients with long COVID? And is a range of therapeutic options likely to be needed to address the multifactorial symptoms of long COVID in individual patients? Both pharmacological and non-pharmacological therapies are going to be needed to address the complex multifactorial symptoms of long COVID and probably a combination of these types of therapies in individual patients. Our data suggests that there are different phenotypes of long COVID and probably different underlying mechanisms, which therefore may respond to different treatments. And we're therefore proposing a personalised medicine approach to the treatment of long COVID. Within FOSS-COVID, we currently have two planned randomised control trials. One's targeting multidimensional rehabilitation at those participants with reduced physical function alongside other complex symptomatology and a further trial testing an anti-inflammatory agent in those participants with persisting inflammation 
And finally, are newer variants of SARS-CoV-2 and previous infection with or vaccination against SARS-CoV-2 likely to have an impact on the prevalence and features of long COVID? It's worth highlighting the recruitment period for FOSCOVID. The participants in FOSCOVID were discharged from hospital from February 2020 through to March the 31st, 2021. The majority of participants were therefore unvaccinated at the time of their COVID-19. And also we would have a population with the earlier variants of SARS-CoV-2 and potentially some delta towards the uh, end of the recruitment period. Although it's reassuring to see that the prevalence of long COVID is probably reduced after triple vaccination in some of the variants of Omicron. However, long COVID is still described at a reasonably high rate, even in those with Omicron and triple vaccinated, considering the volume of people in the UK and certainly worldwide that are infected with COVID-19. We therefore really need urgent evidence-based treatments for long COVID. Thanks very much for answering our questions.